Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Well, we're wrapping up E100. Haley gets to preach the last sermon. It's from the book of the Revelation. And she wants a lot of time, so I think she's going to give her rapture chart to you. So you need to come for Senior Sunday to watch Haley wrap up the book of the Revelation. We're going to start out 22 with E100 again. The 100 essential stories about Jesus. Old Testament, Jesus, and then um, Christ going into the world. So you'll be all, you know the pattern, but the readings will be much different. Our lesson of the day comes from 2 Timothy, the the third chapter, starting with the 10th verse. Now, you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But the wicked people and the impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. It was late one afternoon. I'd been invited to make a a call on a member of the church and um, knocked on her door. The housekeeper came to the door, said, I'm here to see so-and-so. And she said, who are you? And I said, I'm the Methodist preacher. Oh, Reverend, come on in, come on in and, and come to me with me to the parlor. I'd never been invited to the parlor before, but she said, come to me, with me to the parlor. So we went to the parlor for me to sit and wait for the church member to prepare for the visit. And walking into the parlor, there was this huge, gigantic fern sort of in the doorway. And I brushed it. And I removed a fourth of the fern. It just fell, and and it was... fern got in my sleeve and I was brushing my arm hoping I could get the fern off the sleeve before I did any more damage to the holy plant. And I sat down on the sofa in the parlor and I started looking around. The parlor was filled with plants. The ficus was in the corner, once a majestic, tall, glorious ficus now wilting and failing. The ficus was turning blue, brown, yellow, other colors that ficuses don't turn. 
The vine, you know that green plant that grows every place unless you clip it? And right now my brain won't pull up the name of that green plant that grows every place unless you clip it. It was just laying there, thunk. All the plants in the room were in some state of trauma. They were sick. They were dying. They were not healthy. Looked around and thought somebody should water these plants. And then I looked on the coffee table, and there on the coffee table is one of those giant sofa books, sofa table, coffee table books, huge book, a book entitled Successful Houseplants. Somebody needs to read the book. I'm sure it's here on page two, Water Your Plants. And then I saw it on the shelf, the Bible. And I wondered, I really wondered if her life was as wilted and near death as all the plants in that room. You've got a Bible. I know you've probably got multiple Bibles. You've got a Bible on your device. You've got a Bible that was given to you at special times and occasions. You've got gift Bibles. The one thing we all seem to have a lot of are Bibles. But are they sitting on the shelf? Are they just another book? Or have we opened them and read the words of life and been transformed and transfixed by them? John Wesley called himself a man of one book. And he said, oh, give me that book. And Methodist, as we went into North America, have always been a biblical people of people who believed in the authority of Scripture and the importance of Scripture, of people who went to see what the Bible said about something before we decided if that should be what we did or not. It seems so quaint to say that we are a people of the book, but we are. Wesley taught that the Bible is a means of grace, that God's grace is distributed and God's grace is encouraged and God's grace is grown as you read the words of the text and as you study the Bible. I just want to say two things about the Bible this morning. First of all, the Bible is a busy book. The Bible is a busy book. It is always working. Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, said, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul could endure and overcome the persecutions he went through. What persecutions I have endured, he wrote. He could live a life that was faithful despite what he was going through because the Apostle Paul was a person steeped in Scripture. He made Scripture a part of his discipline and study and life. Jesus was a Bible quoter and a Bible user. And Paul tells Timothy that Timothy needs to learn the Bible, to use it, to make it precious in his life. Because as Paul writes, for a time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. The Bible is that center which holds that revelation that points us to Jesus Christ. It's a word that brings life and hope. But it does it only after it it exposes us. It exposes us and then it clothes us. It crushes us and then it revives us. The Bible makes us understand that we're parched, that we're dry, that we're dusty. And then it refreshes us. Are you finding that true? So I know that some of you have your devices with you and that some of you right now are watching on Facebook. And here's what I want you to do for me. If you're using a Bible study or a a Bible study tool that helps you in your daily Bible studies, will you let us know what that is? Just go to the Facebook feed, Trinity Church, and and whatever you use. I've been using E100. That's good to know. Um, I have this program. Some of you are reading the Bible chronologically. We're just curious about it. Actually, what I'm trying to do is steal some of your better ideas because I've found lay people really have a cool way of understanding Scripture and reading Scripture. See, you, you read it for itself. You don't have to come up with a sermon every week, do you? No, you can let the Bible speak. I have a friend, Jack has been a friend, good friend for longer than a decade now. And he has an interesting way of reading the Bible. Jack reads the whole Bible through every year. He starts at Genesis. He goes all the way to Revelation. He does it in order. Yes, He reads all those chapters in the book of Numbers. He reads all the begatting that goes on. He reads all of the laws in Leviticus. Reads it from cover to cover. And each year, as Jack starts his Bible study, he buys a new Bible. So he's gotten several different translations He knows which ones he likes and he knows which ones he doesn't like. And he takes his new Bible and he'll mark passages of Scripture and he writes little notes in the side about what the passage means or what it reminds him of. And and he'll have other places that he writes notes of encouragement next to something. And he does it because at the end of the year when Jack's finished reading the Bible, he gives his Bible to a child, a niece, a nephew, or a family member, so that they then have Jack's Bible with his notes, with his words of encouragement, with his understanding of Scripture. Now, I would not necessarily pick reading from Genesis to Revelation in a year. And I definitely am not going to read from Genesis to Revelation in 45 days. I had some people come to me in another church and say, Preacher, the Presbyterians are reading the Bible in 90 days. We need to read it in 45. Not going to do it. It's too much. I get slowed down in the book of Numbers. It slows me down. I get worn out in the book of Leviticus. But if you've got a reading plan that you use and you're using it 
successfully and systematically. We want to know about it because this is a busy book. In your life, it's a busy book. You see, this book understands the world in which we live. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. And we see it go on and on and on and on and on with gurus and and all these interesting people follow, popping up and being followed. And we wonder, what's their authority and what's their source of truth? The Bible is a busy book. It's always working. And the Bible is an inspired book. Paul says that these words are God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired. The Greek word is literally all Scripture is God-breathed. I received my first Bible in the third grade, not from the church, but from the Gideons. And I knew when they handed it to me, there was something holy and sacred about that book. And it's been a love affair for that long with this inspired book. And after all these years of studying it and preaching it and reading it, Every time I open it up, I find something new because that's the way it works. That this book, this busy book is the story of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. That's why this book is so messy. Yes, the preacher just said this is a messy book. We want a book of instructions. Have you ever bought something at the Walmart big box something, you take it home, you rip that sucker open, you get the instruction, and the first instruction is, number one, don't do anything until you read all the instructions. Who wants to read? I want to get in there and start putting things together. And I usually find out that there's a reason that step seven occurs in place seven and not in place two. We want instructions. We want to know what God wants us to do at 2 p.m. this afternoon. This is not it. We want a clear word about our career choice or our spouse. Who are we to marry? And if you read the Bible like John Wesley used to do, he would open it, take his finger, and just drop it on a verse. (laughs) I don't know what this verse means, but here is the verse I just dropped my finger on. The lowing of cattle is not heard. Oh, great. I've just been called to be a farmer to cattle with laryngitis. This is not it. This is a book of relationships. It is about God seeking us in love. It is about us running away from God, telling him constantly, let's just be friends. How many relationships have you had have been orderly? 
Not even your sweet children. That has not been orderly, has it? No. That's why this book's written the way it is. It's a book about relationships. It's a book about a holy relationship. It's about the book, the story of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. And this book is so holy. It is so powerful that before the invention of the printing press, when it was hand copied, churches would have this book and they would chain it to the lectern. The lectern, by the way, is the small pulpit. They would chain it. And people often would walk in from the countryside, would walk from days just to look at the sacred text, just to touch the book. And I bet yours is sitting on the shelf. I'm going to tell you a secret. The Bible doesn't need to be defended. The Bible needs to be turned loose in your life. And you don't need to be afraid of the book. It's really an easy book to understand. God loves you. A couple of Sundays ago, I, I missed church. Yes, I confess, I missed church. Did a wedding ceremony for my son, his wife, Mallory. And on Sunday morning, we had the post-wedding, post-reception breakfast at the fine dining establishment of Gap Farms in Arcadia. If you want to celebrate, I recommend Gap Farms. And I was there. And that night, Joseph Martin had been in the, the early service. Joseph Martin is a, is a composer and performer. And he's written several pieces that our chancel choir has performed. And I went Sunday night for the Joseph Martin's concert. And as I was walking in the sanctuary... Choir members kept coming up to me, which always makes me nervous, but they were coming up to me and they were smiling. They were joyous. They said, you wouldn't believe what happened to us. I said, what happened to uh, y'all? On Saturday, Joseph Martin, who had written all these choir pieces that the choir sang, told the choir the story of the composition of the piece of music. What he was trying to communicate with the music and the melody, what he was trying to communicate with the vocal parts of the choral music, what emotion he was feeling as he wrote, what emotion he wanted the choir to share with the congregation. And the choir sang inspired music because they knew what the author of the music wanted. They're still smiling about it. The Holy Spirit inspired these words. God breathed. Now I'm going to tell you a secret. You can ask the author of the book to help you understand the book. When you start your Bible study time, when you open these pages, just pray. Lord, you inspired these words. 
Now help me interpret and live these words. It's that easy. It's that simple. It's that hard step of taking the Bible off the shelf and letting it reside in your heart. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we thank you for this ancient and simple book. We thank you for these words of life. And we pray, O oh God, that you would bless these months of study, that you would give us a hunger and a passion for what your word says. More than that, O oh God, help us to live what your word says. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.